Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. It's me, Merritt. I'm alone this time because it's quarantine and we've been in quarantine for three weeks. But that's not going to stop me from doing a Trans Day Visibility podcast. If you don't know, fun fact, I'm trans. We're out here being non-binary, they, them. Um, yeah, happy T-Dove. And uh, here's the rest of the episode. First segment of T-Dolph Podcast. I'll do a little, like, little history lesson. Um, if you don't know, I really like history. I, uh, I'm fairly insufferable with my quoting. So, um, first I'll talk about, um, the public universal friend, my, um, personal favorite trans person in history. I love the public universal friend. I love them so much. They are, uh, they're my favorite person. Um, so pretty much the public universal friend was born in about 1752. This is just from my memory and you can Google it. It's out there. They were born in about 1752 to Quaker parents in Virginia. They were a Quaker. And, um, yeah, pretty much they, um, had a fever at one point when they were, like, a kid. And then when they woke up from the fever, they claimed that they had died, seen God, and God said, God pretty much said, be trans. (laughs) Like, obviously, like, that's not what it said back in the time. But pretty much the public universal friend um, woke up after their fever and was like, this is what is happening. Um, my name is the public universal friend. And anyone that tried to call the public universal friend by their old name, they didn't, (laughs) they put an answer to it. (laughs) Um, They described that their name as the public universal friend was the new name that God had given them. And they wouldn't answer. Yeah, like I said, they wouldn't answer to their old name anymore. If um, somebody like called the public universal friend the wrong name, they they just quoted the Bible at them. (laughs) They were like, thou sayest it. (laughs) But the public universal friend was like, my name is public universal friend. If somebody asked the friend if they were a boy or a girl, they would say, I am. (laughs) I am. (laughs) They literally, somebody was like, are you a boy or a girl? (laughs) And the friend was literally like, um, I am, they're just like, uh, I'm vibing. Like, what kind of the strong indie energy? It's nice to know that we have always been like this. Um, the friend literally asked not to be preferred not to be referred to with gendered pronouns and like people respected it quakers in the probably about 1780s 1780s i want to say i don't know maybe not 1780s because i think that the friend was born in like 52 but you know quakers in the late 1700s managed to gender the friend correctly 
if Quakers in the 1700s can manage it, I feel like everybody else can manage it. Anyway, so yeah, the, <laughs> the friend um, would wear, because you know, everything was gendered, the friend would wear like boy pants and like a, um, I'm actually on the Wikipedia page now. So, so I'll find it. Aha. So the friend was actually a preacher, as everyone was in Quaker society. The friend didn't wear a hair cap like women did, but um, in outdoors, the friend wore a like broad-brimmed beaver hat worn by Quaker men. The friend was really, really cool. After the friend's death, the um, they buried the friend as the friend wished, and um, pretty much, people throughout history, when they've been writing about the friend, have either have either referred to the friend correctly as genderless, or they've portrayed the friend as a woman. Or as a, or like as a fraudulent schemer, who like deceived people and manipulated other, and manipulated their followers, and was like a terrible person, who like, you know, did all these bad things, which like, obviously is not true. <laughs> There's a um. A claim from back then that apparently the friend tries to tried to raise the dead or walk on water, which there's not any evidence for. Everybody that knew the friend said that they were a nice person, a good, kind soul that, you know, liked everyone and was just genderless. The, um... Obviously, the word transgender and, like, non-binary and everything, they weren't around back then. But the, um, the friends of the friend, um, all agreed that there was a, like, genderless spirit that animated the body. Like, I, I don't know if Quakers don't use the word soul, but everywhere that I've seen, they've, it said spirit rather than soul. So, Yeah. Next person is James Barry. Um, this is Merritt's approximation of history because I refuse to pull up the Wikipedia page. For just for your reference, I'm literally just sitting in my room, <laughs> like remembering and then telling you about this. Um, so continuing, James Barry, he was born in Cork, Ireland. He got his medical degree from Edinburgh, I think, and then like. He did most of his stuff in Cape Town, South Africa. He was around the same time as Florence Nightingale because he got in a, flight, a fight with Florence Nightingale. Yeah, they hated each other. How wild is that? Florence Nightingale. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know how you imagine Florence Nightingale, but I always imagine her as like a really soft, peaceful lady that doesn't, you know, want to fight surgeons. <laughs> um yeah anyway so 
he was a trans guy. He greatly improved the conditions for wounded soldiers in the hospital. He did the first ever successful C-section where both the mother and the child survived. Uh, He improved conditions for native inhabitants of South Africa. He was just overall a great guy. Um, The fight that he got into with Florence Nightingale, literally, they just hated each other. Um, (laughs) I really, I can't remember exactly why they hated each other. They only worked with each other like twice. But, yeah, they, like, apparently, they're just, they didn't get along, and she hated him. And now I'm on the Wikipedia page trying to figure it out. Okay, I know in podcast time it's been two seconds, but in actual time it's been 30 minutes, and I can't figure out why they hated each other. Barry went to Crimea without telling anyone. He asked to be posted to a hospital there. But then the hospital said no, and so he showed up anyway, and Florence Nightingale was like, why are you here? And then he was like, I'm a doctor, let me help. And then they yelled at each other. They hated each other. But um, I also found out that he was in a duel with Captain uh, Josiah's quote. Um, Barry's aim was better, but he didn't actually kill him. So, yeah. There's a article by The Guardian that is absolutely terrible. The title of it is Dr. James Barry, A Woman Ahead of Her Time, which, yikes. I read the article uh, and then rated it a one star. <laughs> Take that, turfs. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. So, there's all of these... Um, plays that have been written about him most of them are from the uk one of them is by someone named thorndyke who after the duel when barry almost kills the captain he has barry start crying which first of all didn't happen (laughs) dr barry was a hothead he would never cry first of all i'm sure i'm sure he wanted to kill that dude so, yeah, don't read that article. It's terrible and constantly misgenders James. Um, so, yeah. There's um, tons of information on the internet. I Once again, I ask that you find some information yourself. But Oh, actually, I found an excerpt from a letter that Nightingale wrote where um she was like where she was talking about how they got in a fight and there's all this article there's all these articles and all this crap that's been written about him where he's misgendered or he's like vilified and you know he wrote in his will that when he died, he would like to be wrapped in his bed sheets and not examined and just buried like that. Which, I don't know what other evidence you need to see that someone who spent their entire life 
being a man. Um, and then was like, please, when you bury me, can you just remember me as a man? I don't know why TERFs have to continue to take that from him. But here we are. This is the reality that we have today. So, thanks, James Berry, for C-sections and for getting people to wash their hands and sanitize things. Oh, yeah, it's quarantine season. (laughs) If nothing else, wash your hands for James Berry. Next person I'm going to talk about is also a trans guy. Alan Hart was born in, uh, like, 1890s. And I know he died in the 60s. I want to say 62 or 63. So he was a trans guy, obviously. And I, um, from what I remember, there, there are these writings from his grandparents where they, descri- where they described him as, fo- as foolish, which I just think is really funny. I think all... <laughs> Every trans guy that I know can easily be described as foolish. Um, I don't know the context or anything, but just like <laughs> Sorry, I don't know if you know any trans people, but uh as a friend of many trans guys, they're fools. Um he went to I want to say Lewis and Clark College, and I only know that because I've looked into Lewis and Clark College. Fun fact. Um, so, he was the first trans guy to get a hysterectomy, which, if you don't know, is the removal of the uterus, which, uh, lucky, lucky man, <laughs> we cannot all be so fortunate but he was in fact a doctor and he was also a writer and a novelist. I can't name any books that he's written, but I'm sure that you can find them on the internet. This is once again Merritt's approximation of history and not the true facts fun show. Um I know that he did something with x-rays to help with tuberculosis screenings. He was a tuberculosis doctor. Um, yeah. He did have a wife. Fun fact. Her name was like, oh god, it's like, it's an old name. It's like Edna or something. But he had a wife. And just like Dr. James Barry, turfs are like, He was a lesbian. He was a lesbian who pretended to be a man so he could get ahead in the man's world of medicine. Which is, um, fake. (laughs) Um, he had a hysterectomy. Bro. Like, literally. Anyway, this is not the Merit Fights Turf show. Although it very well could be. What if I just had a show where I fought turfs? Would you watch that? Anyway. Um, he was a novelist, and he wrote several books that I cannot name any of. (laughs) I do know that after a book that he wrote in 1937 that had the word men in the title, I want to say it was like 
the life of a man or in the lives of, I don't know. It was, somebody said that as a doctor, he knew surprisingly little about women, <laughs> which, which like, yeah, I would say most trans guys don't know much about being a woman or much about women at all. Also, I can't record a trans history podcast and not include Christine Jorgensen. Christine Jorgensen was born in the 20s and died in either the late 80s or the 90s. I want to say my safe guess is uh, 88, but it's probably like 89. Who knows? Um, she was a trans woman. And before she transitioned, she was a freaking GI. Like, this woman was a badass. She could <laughs> she could beat the shit out of anyone. And I respect her so much. Um, she transitioned. She got, like, sex reassignment surgery. Which is, I assume, what cis people mean when they ask me if I've had the surgery. Which, by the way, I haven't. Please stop asking me. Um... Yeah, but she did have the surgery. And she was like, she was an actress. Like, the papers covered her. She was gendered correctly. She was gendered correctly in the 50s. The 50s. Um, the, like, the, there's this paper in New York. I don't remember which one it was. That ran a headline that was like XGI becomes blonde beauty and um she had the same doctor that did I don't know if you saw the movie the Danish girl I didn't see it but I know the historical facts behind it she had the same doctor I don't know if she ever met Lily but they had the same doctor and I think at one point she had a husband but she was denied a marriage license a marriage license because her birth certificate said that she was male. But she had, like, the equivalent of a husband. And if I remember correctly, he was a cute guy. Actually, I'm going to look him up right now. I'll, I'll pause this. And then come back. Okay, so I'm back. And the dude kind of looks like if you take um, Jim Carrey and you mix him with Richard Nixon. <laughs> Sorry, Christine. Um, yeah, but Christine, um, she was, um, like, out and proud, and she took, um, estrogen. She really did the whole transition thing back in the literal 50s, so, and the newspapers in the 50s gendered her better than they've ever gendered Caitlyn Jenner, so... I don't know why the 50s are more polite than they than the news media is today. But whatever. Oh, I opened the Wikipedia because I wanted to make sure that I didn't say anything that was blatantly wrong. And there's this really cute quote that she sent in a letter to um one of her friends or something. I don't know who she sent the letter to. But I will read it to you. And it's so cute. It says, remember the shy, miserable person who left America? Well, that person is no more. And as you can see, I'm in marvelous spirits. Which, 
I literally might cry a little bit. Like, all these trans people throughout history, like, they were so strong. And they fought so hard. And it's really, I don't know, inspiring as a young trans person who's only ever met one adult trans person in my entire life. Yeah, fun fact, I've only ever met one adult trans person. Like, obviously, I know they exist, but I've only ever seen one. But all of these people, they worked really hard, and I like they got what they wanted. They passed, you know? My favorite is still a public universal friend. I have some bias there. So... I feel like most people have heard of Marsha P. Johnson, Miss Major, and Sylvia Rivera, the trans woman of color that started the modern-day LGBT rights movement. Because, you know, Stonewall. Marsha threw the first brick, baby. Um, <laughs> throw bricks at cops for gay rights. Um, it's true. Be gay, do crime, be trans, throw hands. Um, the... Trans women of color have been the backbone of our movement for a long time, and I think I would be remiss not to mention them in a trans history episode. But there's num- there are numerous documentaries about Marsha P. Johnson. She, um, I, she was a trans woman of color and a sex worker, I think. Which, by the way, sex work is real work. And sex workers deserve your respect. Yeah, I know it sounds like no time for you, but I actually looked it up. She was, in fact, a sex worker. She was actually booed at the Stonewall riots despite throwing the first brick because the crowd of mainly cis white gay guys didn't want to hear from a trans woman of color that was a sex worker. Which is pretty hecked up. No need to say it. But also, it'd still be like that today. So, yeah. But like I said, there's tons of information on the internet out there about those three. But I couldn't not mention them in an episode about trans history. Trans people have always been there. We've always been around. Pretty much every culture has their uh, gender variants. There's that... um, there's two-spirit and Native American communities. There's um, there's the well, I can't pronounce it, but I know how to spell it. M U X E. There's that <laughs> in Mexico. It's the like indigenous third gender. There's indigenous third genders of pretty much every culture except the Western culture. It took over the entire world because imperialism. Um, but yeah, trans people have always been around. It doesn't matter really which era of history you look into. There's a trans person somewhere. It's a lot harder to do. So there's not really any like documents. Because documents can get you killed. But they're there. We've always been there. And I find it really inspiring to see these people throughout time and be like, you know, like, I, I, it was harder back then than it is now, and they could do it, so so can I. And there's not exactly a ton of trans representation today, 
There's, of course, Pose on FX, which talks about the, like, 80s queer ballroom culture, which if you don't know about ballroom culture, then, like, oh my god, you really need to look into that. I strongly recommend Pose. It's a good show. It has Billy Porter, which, oh my god, I would die for Billy Porter. There's, but, you know, aside from Pose, I really can't think of any shows that are on television that have trans main characters there's um chilling adventures of sabrina on netflix which has a trans guy in the second episode but i won't say any more about that because i don't want to spoil it for you there's um yeah really not that much trans representation there's laverne cox's character on orange is the new black there's um mainly for trans representation you gotta look on youtube on YouTube, there's, of course, ContraPoints. I love ContraPoints so much. Natalie Wynn is a personal hero of mine. And just the way, like, her film style, the way that she, like... I've never been one for film, right? Like, I don't, I don't get film analysis. I don't understand it. I can analyze English papers and things like that literally all day. But I don't understand film analysis at all. But... That being said, the way that she frames her shots and the lighting she uses and just like her taste and the aesthetic of the background is just superb. It is absolutely extraordinary. And like <laughs> those of you that are friends, like really close friends with me, not even really close, literally just anyone that has talked to me ever knows that I'm obsessed with aesthetic. I'm obsessed with how something, like, looks, how it, like, how it feels, it, like, with, like, your, the only word I can think of is tactile, but that's not what I mean. Like, when your eyes look at it, how it feels, that emotion. She is an excellent YouTuber, and I strongly recommend her. Um, other trans people that are visible today are Chaz Bono. Who is Cher's son? Yeah, Cher has a son. And his name is Chaz. And he's like 50. He's an old dude. But big respect for Chaz. And there's obviously Laverne Cox. There's um, a YouTuber, Ty Turner. Ty, T <laughs> Ty Turner makes these YouTube videos where he'll like laugh at trans memes. And honestly, trans memes hit different. There's, um, there's, of course, Nikita Dragon. Um, Nikita Dragon is fucking beautiful. Holy shit. I don't know. <laughs> I've managed to go this entire episode without saying fuck, but here we are, I guess. Nikita, oh my god. Beauty. Just like, mwah, chef's kiss. Okay? Absolutely astonishing. Um, like, there's tons of, like, just terrible people on the internet. But, you know, most of them are good. I choose to believe most of them are good. Oh, yeah, Nikki Tutorials. She came out. She was actually forced out. Which, by the way, don't freaking out people. That's terrible and could put someone in a very unsafe situation. But, um, Nikki Tutorials is trans. We stan. 
we have no choice but to stand. And then as far as, like, activists go, there's Chella Man, who's a fantastic artist. He's, like, 19 or 20. He's really not that much older than me. But he is, like, absolutely amazing. He's this deaf actor and artist, and he's genderqueer, so he's not a, he's not a trans guy. He's in, I don't know if he would classify himself as non-binary, but as far as terminology goes, genderqueer is under the non-binary umbrella. So, but yeah, Chella Man has excellent art. You should look at some of his art. And then there's um, Skylar Baylor, who is a trans guy, and he was the first trans guy to compete on a D1, like, men's sports team. He was on the Harvard swim team. He's been on Ellen. He spoke at the conference I went to in Seattle, which I don't think I ever talked about on here, but I went to a conference in Seattle for student leadership, and he spoke there to us. And he has a really powerful story, and you can go on his website. It's, like, pinkmantaray.com or something, or you can look him up on Instagram. Even if you Google his name wrong... It still comes up. Skylar Baylor. It's spelled like S-C-H-U-Y-L-E-R. Um, he's got a really powerful story. You should listen to it. Uh, I could tell it here, but I, I won't. I feel like you should listen to it in his own words. Because he's a much better speaker than I'll ever be. Um, he's a personal hero of mine. So, Yeah. Happy Trans Day of Visibility, everyone. Um, as your resident trans person, today is um, really special for me. And it's, you know, having people, like, put on their Instagram stories or whatever, like, little things about, you know, support your trans friends and blah, blah, blah. It, it means a lot. If nothing else, it means a lot to me. And, like, obviously, you should be supporting trans people and lifting us up and, like, hiring us and treating us well all year. Like, I feel like that goes without without saying, like, you should be celebrating your trans friends all the time anyway. But it is nice to have a designated day, you know, because it's going to get dark for a second. By the way, I'm I'm about to mention some sad statistics. Um, because the suicide rate in the trans community is huge. It's like 50-some percent. And then when you factor in to kids that live in accepting houses and kids that don't live in accepting houses, the ones that do live in accepting houses, the suicide rate is at like 12%. And those and those in places that are not, accept, not accepting is around the unaccepting households hover between like 70 to 90 percent depending on years and other factors the suicide rate is highest among um like native american especially inuit communities um and then obviously african-american and black communities i just i don't know i really can't underscore enough how much acceptance helps save lives, like small things, like correct pronouns, correct names, you know, little things that 
cis people take for granted or haven't even ever considered. It just, it makes a world of difference to us. And I really don't know what the harm is in people being more mindful of what they say to others. So, you know. So, <laughs> sorry, it got really dark and sad for a second. There's, um, I think it's important to mention. It's important to mention. So, yeah. But, uh, happy teed off, everyone. Um, Trans Day of Visibility 2020. We're in quarantine. Um, which I, I refuse to talk about quarantine. Everybody knows what's happening. There's really no point in me talking about it. But I will say, check on your trans friends. Um, really all of your trans and queer friends. Like, check check on each other, guys. So many people are in households with unsupportive parents or just bad situations that now they can't leave. And, you know, that's rough on people <laughs> mentally. So check on each other. Take good care of each other. Um, make yourself available. I've discovered that um, instead of just saying, I'm here for anything that you need, you can say, like, well, I can do X, Y, and Z to help you. Giving people, like, tangible things that you can accomplish, it, it just works better for others. I don't know. That's always been my experience is, is that um, people are more likely to come to you for help if you give them examples of what you're able to do rather than just a blanket. I can help. So, yeah. Enjoy the rest of your coronation, guys. Um, and good night. <laughs>